Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the premier Houston Sports Talk podcast. Robert, along with my co-host, R.G. Seal. And before we get rolling, just want to remind you that I looked back at the U of H's loss in the Sweet 16, unfortunately, and pretty much wrapped up the Cougs sensational season with Sam and Dustin from the Houston Cougars Scott and Holman podcast. Make sure to give it a listen if you haven't yet. It's the last show in our library. We're on Spotify now if you haven't heard about that. So another way for you to listen to us if you prefer to do it through Spotify. And RG, before we get into Astros, Rockets, and Texans, the Elite Eight games got to rank up there. As far as I'm concerned, it's one of the best we've seen in history. Major props to the Red Raiders, who I actually believe will win this thing if they beat Michigan State. In fact, I'll make them my favorite going into the weekend. You have a favorite going into the weekend between these four teams. You got Virginia, uh, Michigan State, Texas Tech. Wait, no Auburn. Duke? No North Carolina? No Kentucky? Wait, what happened? Great stat for you. For the first time since 2005, no Duke, no North Carolina, no Kentucky, no Kansas. The Blue Buds of basketball are out. You know, not not even blue bloods. Rice Owls. No Rice Owls either. All the Blue Bloods are, are not playing. Hey, but uh, UH had played, and, and they nearly got by Kentucky. And, and by the way, Kelvin Sampson seems like, as we're recording this, he is nearing that contract extension. There were rumors that he was maybe going to head to Arkansas, but apparently he is going to sign a contract extension and stay with the Houston Cougars. That's good news for the Cougs. I mean, the, the Sampson thing, we, we were sweating it out on the previous podcast. So, I mean, it's just fantastic news to hear Kelvin Sampson is going to be a Cougar going forward. You know, it's what he's built with this program and making it relevant again. We've talked about it a ton on the show, but... You know, if you, you look at the weekend's games this past weekend, had a local product, a guy that, you know, I was out there covering this kid, Atascacita's own Carson Edwards. He put on a show in the tourney for Purdue, 42 points in the Virginia loss. I wasn't thrilled with him not taking the final shot. I don't know if you caught that, RG. It was, you know, he's trying to race it up the court. He tries to make a pass to uh, a guy along uh, the sideline. Bad pass. It goes out of bounds. That might be on Matt Painter, the coach, but even though Carson is small, he could move into the first round with his shooting and scoring ability. Ability is so valuable, RG, now in the NBA. I mean, we see it with Steph Curry. Uh, Trey Young's not huge. I mean, I've st- stood next to Trey Young. He's no giant either. I-, I think he's less than six feet tall, and he's already doing stuff. And he, he can do stuff because, you know, the three-point shot, if you can shoot it from 25, 30 feet. <laughs> like Carson well, if you're Edwards. a shooter, you can always find uh, a place in the NBA, right? I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, if you can do that one thing and, and hit the three-point shot, the Rockets with, with Matt Bullard, and remember in the championship days, and, you know, there's always, if, if you can sit back and make that three-point shot. Steve Novak. Steve Novak, there you go, another one that, yeah. I mean, you would like to see guys be able to play some defense too, but uh, yeah, if you can hit the, if you can shoot and you can find a place in the NBA or have some size and athleticism, right? Uh, Maybe not as much in today's NBA, but it used to be, you could be like Granville waiters on the end of the Rockets bench or somebody like that. Yeah. I mean, now you got to be, you know, long, you got to be able to uh, defend guys in multiple positions. So if you've got that, you could stick around. You better start learning how to hit threes, though. If, even if you could do that, if you can't shoot at all, you're worthless. Michael Carter-Williams is a good example of that. We just saw it with the Rockets. And speaking of length and athleticism and just everything, you know, I said it in the March Madness preview last week. The only thing that derails Duke is Zion not getting the ball enough, and I don't think he did in the Elite Eight game. And, you know, I just 
just feed that guy the ball. I mean, just, I mean, I, how much have you seen of, of Zion this year, RG? I mean, I, I wish he could, we could you see him besides play. Besides the exploding shoe? Yeah, besides the, you know, the multiple shots of the, on Twitter of the exploding shoe. Did you get to see him much? No, I did. I mean, he's uh, a fantastic player I mean, and dominant in the college game. And it looks like he's going to be declaring for the NBA draft. So he's going to be taking his talents to the is, next level. Is he going to be declaring? I mean, you, you sure you don't want to come back and... You uh, not be the number one overall pick and make a few million zillion dollars on shoe deals. Speaking of shoe deals, he's going to make a bunch. Zion of zillion. That sounds like. Yeah, I wish he could play another game or two this uh, over the weekend. But you know, if you're a, t- a Tech fan, maybe it's a good thing that you don't get to see him. But Michigan State, they're they're going to be tough. I mean, Tech's going to have a tough one that first game. But God, Virginia and Auburn, Auburn without their best player, Virginia just, just totally looked beatable. I mean, if Tech can just get by Michigan State, we could say that Texas has got a national championship in state, which would be really cool. Let's move to the Rockets, RG, because their last regular season game, can you believe it? It's a week from today. As we're recording this from today, we're recording this on uh, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Geez, I mean, it's hard to believe. The Rockets season's almost done. It's almost done. The Rockets, uh, yeah, are are already, like, most of everybody just kind of seeing, waiting to see what the playoff positioning will be, right? Where the Rockets end up, are they going to, could they, you know, are they going to be the, most likely the third seed, the fourth seed, the fifth seed, you know, somewhere in there. Yeah, third or fourth looks yeah. definite. I mean, right. we're talking, there's, what, five games to go. They've, they're have they tied with Portland uh, in that spot for three, four. And, you know, right before, right after we talked last week, uh, Nurkic hurt himself out for the season. So Portland a team that you, you, you always scares you if you're the Rockets. They didn't play them well this season, but without Nurkic, I mean, that guy was such a big part of what they were doing. I mean, Damon Stoudemire is dangerous, but Nurkic was their inside Damon threat. Stoudemire? Wait, I mean, wait no, are Damon, you going down a time machine back to Toronto? <laughs> yeah, no. I, uh, the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard. Dame Lillard. His backcourt mate's not all that healthy. Dame Lillard's backcourt mate. Um, he He's not. I mean, they're, they've got some issues, so... You would think the Rockets are going to get the three seed. I mean, you would think so. Well, you just, yeah, you just don't know, though, because they've really left no margin for error. And, you know, they, but hopefully, what they really want to do is be the third seed, have the home court advantage, and then avoid what looks to be Golden State having the number one seed until the Western Conference Finals, correct? Yeah, the Rockets schedule uh, the rest of the way. It's not too difficult. I mean, that might be a problem, though, because the Rockets love to beat up on the great teams, and then they have trouble with the teams that they should be beating. But, you, you know, I would think they could run the table. They've got the Clippers. That's going to be tough on Wednesday. Clippers, uh, very tough because they, you know, that's a team that, I mean, look, they're in the playoffs. And they also, uh, you know, they played the Rockets well. They they match up. They, even though we were discussing last week potential playoff matchups, the Clippers, because they don't have that superstar, so in a seven-game series and, and facing a team over and over again. But still, it's a back-to-back as well, too, isn't it, with the Clippers here at the end of the season? Well, they got one game They got one game with the Clippers. The, they got the Kings uh, Tuesday night. Most people might be hearing this after the Kings game. They got the Knicks. Come on, you got to beat the Knicks. The Suns, come on, you got to beat the Suns. And you got in the last game... Because against the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are just, you know, they're dragging Free falling. to their way to the finish. So, I mean, it, 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 you should be able to run this table, that Thunder game. Maybe they're going to be geared up. We, we, we got to get ready. We got to be 
playing like it's a playoff game because uh, they're, they're going to likely at this point might have Golden State in the first round. All of a sudden going from a possible three seed, two seed, you know, just a few weeks ago with Paul George being an MVP candidate. Now Oklahoma City is an eight seed. Paul George doesn't look right. Uh, Russell Westbrook can't shoot all season. Um, they're nothing without Paul George. Steven Adams is a little bit banged up. So I know. I mean, they, they were talked about as the biggest, most serious threat to the Golden State Warriors just, yeah, five, six weeks ago. And now they they potentially could be the eighth seed in a matchup with Golden State in the first round. I mean, it's just crazy. But, you know, everybody starts uh, brand new in the playoffs, and, you know, it's going to get down to the Rockets and how well they're playing. But you like to kind of carry that momentum. Remember that was how Phil Jackson used to do it, play well after the All-Star break, bring that, you know, uh, how you're playing in the second half of the season into the playoffs, kind of use it as a jump start. Uh, you know, so, I mean, we'll see. Hopefully the Rockets, they've been playing better ball over the last few weeks, can make a, a really deep playoff run and, you know, build on what James Harden's sensational season. Yeah, just uh, got to talk about Harden because this is what I like going into the playoffs. Harden, he was kind of going through a slump there, struggling with his shot for a few games, but he looks ridiculous again. I mean, puts up just another 50, 10, and 10 game, which, golly, it's so commonplace. I almost am feeling numb to it, which is nuts. I mean, you, you're like, oh, eh, eh, it's another 50, 10, 10, no biggie. Just James Harden doing doing stuff. But, you know, Capella's looking like the Capella we saw before the hand injury, which was, you know, that was a level beyond what I saw from Capella last year. Then Eric Gordon shooting like last year's Eric Gordon, which is good to see. All of that's great. My only concern, I'm going to have, I'm going to give you one thing right now. Chris Paul, in the month of March, he shot 39%, 32% from three. Uh, not good. It's, it was, might be his worst month of the season shooting when I was going through the numbers. I, th- I think it was between that and um, December, both of them were really bad. We remember, you know, the December he was going through all the injury issues. It, it's like Forrest Gump said. You ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. I, I just don't see it with Chris Paul. There's I thought no you were going to say life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> I mean, so you kind of got me there. I feel, I feel like, yeah, we don't know what we're going to get, but he, he doesn't have the le- – you see him jump. And, I mean, I see him take a three, and I'm like, oh, I wish I could just push him off the ground a little bit, give him a little boost because I just don't see the, the his legs with the – he's not getting those legs in his jump shot. I mean, I, I can see it watching the games. It looks like it's effort for him – just to try to get the ball all the way to the basket. You see a lot of shots that are of his that are, are falling short. Well, I still say when the playoffs roll around, that's going to be, you know, Chris Paul got to be able to stay healthy. You know, he has that, they, they've written a lot about it here recently, the training regimen that he's trying to improve his uh, conditioning and, and be healthier for a playoff run. So, you know, we'll see, uh, like you said, you know, the father time, has a way of catching up to people and if he doesn't have the lift in his legs and that's affecting his shot and you know but still Chris Paul does so many other things I mean he's very tenacious uh you know he distributes the ball well so I mean he can get others involved in the offense as we know in the playoffs everybody's going to be harping on James Harden they're going to you know and Harden knows he's got to get his teammates involved. He just can't be the offense like he was. And Chris Paul will be there. He's going to be able to have to work and, and, and distribute the ball and get other people involved and then maybe make the, the key shots when it when it's necessary. So, I mean, if, if he's making big-time shots, you know, if he's only shooting 39%, but those are big fourth-quarter shots that he's making, well, then 
that kind of becomes irrelevant. So he's, you know, Chris Paul has a way of coming through in the clutch. We've seen that before. So before we kind of give up on him, uh, you know, I've seen some games this season. I mean, again, when he's come back here from injury, where if, we, if the Rockets didn't have Chris Paul, they wouldn't have won the game. I mean, we saw that in Golden State earlier this year. Um, you know, so it's not like he can't turn it on. That's what he's going to have to be able to do in the playoffs. He's going to have to have more of that superstar type, those superstar type performances, but maybe playing every other day against the same opponent, you know, being psyched up for that. And, and you just never, you know, for a lot of these guys too, I mean, come on, you're, aren't we all just kind of getting tired? This is like March Madness is on. It's exciting. It's watching the basketball. And you got to watch the end of the NBA regular season, which all you're really looking for is like who your matchup is going to be in the first round, right? It's just like, come on, get the playoffs started. Here's what I think we need from Chris Paul, maybe to get him going a little bit. I think he needs his best friend, one of the great players in the NBA, to come watch him in the playoffs. Look. Mellow? Yeah, Mellow. That's one. Mellow could be there. Hey, that was a great, great one because I hadn't thought of Mellow. But, yeah, Mellow could be there. Are you talking about, like, the guy that's supposed to be in the playoffs playing with the purple and gold but not and is sitting at home? Hey, the Rockets could be playing the Clippers in the first round. LeBron, you don't even have to be early. He barely has to leave L.A. for, like, Oh, you were talking about LeBron. Okay. Yeah, yeah, LeBron. LeBron. Bring LeBron to the game. Like, wouldn't that be great if we had I thought you were talking about Ray John Rondo. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That would be cool, I think. LeBron coming to see Chris Paul. Like, we could have a little... We'd have our biggest celebrity. You know, I think LeBron's going to be as far away from basketball courts as possible because there's going to be nothing. Like, can you imagine the slow burn on LeBron when he's got to look and watch NBA playoff basketball knowing that he should be out there for it? Isn't he making Space Jam, too? Is that what's going on? Maybe, well, yeah. So he'll be playing against Bugs Bunny and, uh, you know, the Tasmanian Devil and, uh, yeah. Daffy Duck. Basketball, is that coming out too? Is he doing another basketball movie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, we got to talk some Astros. But first, uh, if anybody would like to meet me in person, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to live up to the hype, but uh, nah, you, you just I, if you, you want to come see me in person, come out to the Sports Fan Expo. Uh, it's, this, it's in the last weekend in April. I'll be out there at the George R. Brown Convention Center on Saturday, April 27th. Don't miss it. It's the largest sports fan expo in Houston. Come meet, take photos with, and get autographs from top Astros, Texans, UFC fighters, other pros and legends. There's free entertainment for the kids, bounce houses, a mini soccer stadium, a boxing ring, an MMA cage, a mini clinic. Oh, so much more with this thing. And listen to this lineup. Listen to who's going to be out there for this thing. It's me. That's to start with. That's huge. Uh, no, but we got Deshaun Watson, we got Altuve, Bregman, Springer, Correa, Guriel, Tyler White, Warren Moon, Lorenzo White, uh, Haywood Jeffries. Even beyond Houston sports, you got Drew Brees, Fred Belitnikoff, and Marcus Allen. And maybe we can convince RG to come back. You're going to come back uh-huh. to Houston for that? Uh-huh. You're in town right now, but can we get you to come back to Houston for this uh, thing? That sounds like a great lineup, though. Yeah, you can see all those guys out there. For sure. And uh, just come out to it. It's the uh, Sports Fan Expo, George R. Brown Convention Center, Saturday, April the 27th. And uh, let's talk about some of those Astros that I listed. RG, after the first four games, the Astros were on a 120 loss pace. Altuve and Bregman were considering retirement. I know you had canceled your uh, Major League Baseball league pass. After the first few games, I mean, it was looking bad there, but maybe we're, we're starting to see signs of it. Um, we're recording this before Monday's game. Hopefully they can get the second one against the Rangers. But what did you see in the first few games from the Astros? I mean, it's too early a slice of the season. And first of all, they always have a difficulty in Tampa Bay. I mean, no matter how really good the Astros are, I mean, they just seem to have problems in that ballpark. I mean, 
you know, remember uh, back in the National League days were those times when they they would go to San Diego, remember, and they had to do different things to finally break the the, the jinx that seemed to be in San Diego, no matter... Is, the, is this the Aubrey Huff curse? Is that yeah. what you're telling me? I mean, I don't know. It just seems like in Tampa Bay, I looked at the very beginning of the season, I saw four games there. And, of course, Justin Verlander, excellent first start. The starting pitching, you can't complain about that. I mean, whether it was Garrett Cole... Whether it was, and of course, Justin Verlander got the win, but you had Garrett Cole, you had Colin McHugh, you had Wade Miley, and then, of course, Brad Peacock uh, getting the win in Arlington. The starting pitching has been doing very well. The bullpen's been doing very well. They just haven't been able to hit. I mean, you don't expect uh, Jose Altuve to uh, be starting out the season this way, you know, or, or continue to have this type of you know, performance for a long time. Same thing with Alex Bregman. They're just having a hitting slump to begin the season. And sooner or later, these guys are going to break out of it. The offense is going to carry uh, this team, you know. But there are a couple of things that I think fans are probably, like, for one is, you know, the team lost Marwin Gonzalez and, you know, Aldemus yeah, Diaz. I was worried about uh, you know, so that defense did not look good. Right. Uh, so not only that, but it's, again, you can't just look, you can't overreact. It's like looking at the stock market and overreacting. Oh, my God. You know, it's just like over a day or two, you know, you can't. You have to look at it kind of like over a longer period of time and see, you know, how, you know, in the case of the market, how, how a stock perform. But in this case, how players are going to be performing in Major League Baseball. So you... You, you have to know that Altuve, you know, his track record, he's going to, you know, put up the usual numbers. Same thing with Alex Bregman and these guys. And so, you know, you, you just have to look at, you know, it's the Astros are starting off the season on the road. If this was a road trip and they go two and five or three and four in July, nobody bats an eye. But because it's the beginning of the season, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with the Astros? I mean, they were supposed to win 120 games and, you know, be this, you know, historic team again in the regular season. Come on. I mean, they still have a very good team. So and and by the time as we're recording this, they're two and three. You know, maybe they end this road trip, you know, sweeping the Rangers or maybe they're, you know, three and four, whatever. I mean, what the record is, they're going to be coming home. They're going to have home games, and they're going to be a really strong team this season as long as they stay healthy. And what did you think about Carlos Correa coming back and, and what he's been able to do since he's been in the lineup here? He had one of his uh, hits was came off the bat at 112 miles an hour. Uh, exit velo, as they like to say in the uh, analytic game. You know how big I I'm into all these initials and stuff. But that was impressive. The way he was hitting the ball was impressive for the couple of games. You know, it's, it's one of those things. I, I, we're going to have Chandler Rome on tomorrow with the, the Chronicle, covers the Astros. I'm going to have to ask him a little bit about Correa because I, I, I'm just wondering if the neck the, the injury, and I don't know if you've read anything about this, was th- this related to the back, the, what was keeping him out, or was this something totally separate? I, I would hope it's almost something totally separate because, you know, you don't want the back to connect to other things and, and that be the problem, but... I mean, yeah, it was great. I mean, great what I was seeing from Correa early. And that's the thing with Correa. You mentioned Aledmus Diaz. Here's my thing with Correa. You almost miss him more for defense than you do for offense because he's he's one of the best defensive players in baseball. I mean, he's been fantastic. He throws out guys with a rocket arm. He's diving. The, the, the stuff that you can't measure is the stuff that he gets to because he's six foot four and he's got the wingspan and he's jumping up and he's diving left and right. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's the thing with having Correa back as much as anything. And the other thing is, you know, 
the other reason I, I'm, I'm glad I, I get Correa back is because I, 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 get, I get tired of watching him and uh, his girlfriend on YouTube videos because it's, it's rough. RG, have you tried to watch that yet? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, uh... <laughs> Did you even try to see – have you seen that at all, him telling him his girlfriend and then yell out? Much? Oh, my God. If you haven't uh, seen that no, – I uh, haven't. So... You, if you haven't seen that, don't see it. But if you do see it and if you can get through – tell you what. If you get through all 17 minutes – without throwing up a little bit in your mouth. And I'll, you'll have to video record this for me that you didn't throw up in your mouth as you were watching. If you can even get through 17 minutes, I, I might buy you an Astros ticket for, you know, the World Series game that they're going to be in next time because uh, it, it's hard. It's hard. It's rough to get through. Sorry, Carlos, but it, it was rough. If your kid's out there, uh, if you got kids, just have them watch the video and say, hey, when, when you get a wife, don't do this. This is not good. Don't do this. But uh, <laughs> RG, uh, go back to baseball. Just like you and I predicted, Jake Marisnik leads the team in OPS after five games. Uh, should we start talking $100 million contract extension for Jake Marisnik? Right. Well, you're just loving all this, like, first five games of the season. <laughs> I mean, everything. It's just like, you know, reading into it. And like, you're you know. chopping at the bit to talk some baseball. I get a little bit of uh, – I like all the weird stuff that happens. Like, Jake Marisnik's got over 1,000 OPS. You know, stuff like oh, that. I mean, it was interesting that George Springer hit another home run to begin uh, in, a, in an opening game again. That's the third straight year of doing that. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, again, it's just with the Astros it's starting out on the road here. Just I, I, to me, the biggest thing is that they've been able to get strong starting pitching again. Because, I mean, that was a worry. I mean, remember after two, you took two of your really strong guys from the bullpen and, you know, Colin McHugh and, uh, you know, Brad Peacock, guys who, you know, had been your kind of long relievers. Peacock was just ridiculous in his start. Yeah, McHugh, I mean. McHugh is, I, I wasn't much concerned about McHugh, but, uh, you know, you want to see something uh, from Peacock because, uh, you know, Peacock, we haven't seen him start in a while. He looks so, such, so good as a starter. Um, McHugh doesn't rely on arm strength as much you know he he does a lot of breaking pitches and that's where he gets his guys out a lot of the time but Peacock's a guy you want to see if he can still handle it for a few innings and he gets into the seventh inning and I thought that was the biggest deal of all to get in the seventh yeah. inning well I start. mean but the other thing too is like I mean they they lost the Astros lost Dallas Keuchel who again is still being rumored for you know teams again he still hasn't signed it's the daily Dallas Keuchel watch oh I got a question for you on Keuchel while you mention him I don't know if you know the answer to this but, you know, the, the Astros, the deal was you were going to get some compensation if somebody else uh, signed Dallas Keuchel, correct? I mean, that's typically Yes, the because thing. They, they, they tendered him a, a contract that one year, uh, if he had accepted, he did not. So he went, so the Astros will get compensation. No matter what, like how late in the season does it matter? I don't think that it does. Maybe somebody who's listening will check me on this and say, oh, that's not true. But I think that once you offer that, you tender and you and they go off and sign a, a multi-year contract, free agent contract, doesn't matter when. The fact that the Astros made that offer where they tendered him a contract and he rejected it means they get draft compensation. Evan Gaddis, has he even signed yet? No, no, but he doesn't because he was not offered tendered a contract. So, because he would have accepted it because it was like one year, 17.9 million or something How like that. How can Evan Gaddis not get a job in baseball anymore? I mean, I know he's not d- defensively, but he can, he's hits. I mean, that's... Well, I mean, there's only so many 
DH DH spots. He hits. He hits home runs. But he's a one-tool player. He's a DH. And a lot of times you look, I mean, all of these teams, like, like they like the younger players and they like to be able to have flexibility with the roster. But chicks dig the long ball. They still dig the long ball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you would think he could get You know, I mean, that is a big component in baseball. But certain teams, in the Amer- look, he's a, he's an American League player. He can't, I mean, or he's just a pinch hitter on a National League team. Well, a National League team likes to have some flexibility and versatility and play multiple positions. So if you're looking at the American League, then certain teams, they're not even in it, really. Maybe they go out and sign him. Maybe they go and get power hitter and do that. But, you know, I mean, the landscapes kind of change in the American League where you have the super teams like the Astros, you know, hopefully will be, and the Yankees and, and the Red Sox and, you know, the Cleveland Indians, remember. And then you have these teams that are totally chunking, you know, throwing the season away or you know, and, and, and rebuilding. So it's just you have the, the two-tiered system there. You know, maybe there's a team that that wants it, but it's like he's a streaky hitter, and he really only does one thing. So you can't put him in the field. He's not not good out defensively. So, yeah, yeah. so I mean, it just limits your – it limits kind of what you can do. And do you want to pay somebody, you know, unless you have an obvious need for a DH that you want power? Because you're right. I mean, the guy can hit 30 home runs. You know, he can he can still hit 20 to 30 home runs, potentially, for a team out there. But again, you're, you've got to want to have a full-time DH. And it seems like the full-time DH is giving way to the player who can be more versatile or using the DH spot for, you know, subbing other guys and being able to use it as, as a more versatile roster spot. What's the deal with the Astros not being able to steal bases and getting thrown out? I mean, it's, I, mean I, I don't get it. Jake Marisnik who's our fastest play. He's already been thrown out, I think, twice this year, caught stealing. They're one and five. Like, one time they've stolen a base, and then five times they've gotten thrown out. Bregman's gotten picked off. You even have to add that. I don't even think that's in the numbers of, of caught stealing because Bregman got picked off a base. It's just weird. And the, the Astros, we got all this speed, but they don't seem to know what to do with the speed. I mean, the only guy that's really been a consistent base-stealing threat for the Astros, even with the speed that they do have, has been Altuve, right? I mean, we don't see Bregman stealing, even though he's fast. And Springer has had a big time. Well, Springer problem. lost some weight. Remember, he was trying to steal more in, in uh, spring training and 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 be that you know, use utilizes base running skills. But you know, I mean, again, it's 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 early here. I'm sure the Astros, you know, want to be more aggressive on the base pass, want to be able to create some runs, especially when you're struggling scoring runs, when you're really only getting runs from hitting home runs or extra base hits. You want to be able to create traffic on the base pass. So you want to be able to get on and, you know, at least if you're, or try to take that extra base or try, like you said, to steal a base so that you can put yourself in scoring position and, and make things tougher on the opposing pitcher for the batter at the plate having to worry about a runner on base so yeah uh and in scoring position so you there there are those things to think about i mean again i it's it's still early i still want to see i mean my... yeah, they have miles straw remember they have him down there so if they ever oh. want to call him up that that would take care of all of this in, in a hurry yeah i want jake marisnik <laughs> he's he's got that i mean right. he's not miles straw but he's pretty darn close and he should be able to steal bases without getting caught like he's been and and also, I mean, I, I still want to see Michael Brantley move up in the lineup. There's something that bothers me about him, having him in the four spot. He's not a power hitter. It's like the Astros, they got more power in their one spot with Springer and in the three spot with Bregman. And then you get to Michael Brantley. And yeah, he's got a little bit of power, but 
I see Michael Brantley as a, as a guy that can get the bat on the ball, can put the ball in play, can make things happen. And maybe he gets on base and he can steal a little bit where like by the end of the lineup, maybe you don't want him stealing because, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like he well, should but, be but, let, let, look, let's look at this from a logical perspective. Okay, George Springer is the leadoff batter, correct? He seems comfortable in that. He, you know, that's where he likes to play, right? So then your next two best hitters are still, yeah, I know they've started off struggling here. It's, at, you know, Altuve and Bregman. So whether you want them two or three. So then that leaves you at number four. Do you want four right-handed hitters in a row? No, so break it up with Michael Brantley, who, who does hit, you know, 20, 25 home runs. I mean, he has that type of power. He's already... He had a home run in the opening game of the season, uh, you know, along with Altuve and Springer. So, I mean, you have – he's a guy that, you know and, – and then you have Correa batting batting fifth, so it kind of breaks things up there. But you want to be able to get your top hitters, you know, at bats. So that's why, I'm, you know, with Altuve and Bregman. But, you know, A.J. Hinch, I mean, it's – this is like we talk about first world problems when you have guys like – Springer and Altuve and Correa and Brantley and Bregman, you know, those are guys that, you know, you can mix up any way you want to in those top five, right? I mean, it, they're all excellent hitters. So, you know, to me, that's, again, I, I mean, they're struggling right now. And if it continues where they're not able, you're going to see some changes and try to move some guys around just to see if that can jumpstart things. But again, it's a small sliver of the season so far. RG, I've mentioned Colin McHugh's podcast before, and man, it was excellent this past week. I recommend everybody give it a listen. His guest was Alex Bregman, and I almost feel like, you know, if you're an Astros fan, this is a must listen because Bregman talking for an hour uh, about anything I think is pretty interesting at this point. I want to play a couple of my favorite pieces from it, so uh, you get a little bit of a flavor of it. In the second part uh, of this, they're going to tell Bregman – or they tell what Bregman did prior to Game 7 of the World Series against the Dodgers. But let's start with Bregman explaining what changed when Brian McCann and Carlos Beltran came to spring training prior to the 2017 World Series season. Beltran and McCann were already best friends when they came over here. They played together in New York. Right. So them being so super close brought everything closer together. I remember in 2016, we came, I came up, to the big leagues, made my debut. We go out for my first, like go out for my first stretch with the team, and it's like there's an American stretch, there's a Latin stretch. Yep. I show up to spring training in 2017 after signing Beltron and McCann in that off season. It's a giant stretch with everybody, <laughs> and it stayed that way the whole year. Yeah. We had team dinner after team dinner together, and it wasn't like. The Latins were sitting in one corner speaking Spanish and all the American players were sitting around the rest of the table speaking English. It was like intertwined. We're walking in game seven, getting off the bus in, L- in uh, Dodger Stadium in L.A. We're walking down the hallway and Alex Bregman is banging Kenley Jansen's walkout song on his shoulder, walking into the clubhouse. And it was it was the most confidence I've ever seen out of out of any player, but also like out of any team with their back up against the wall that I've ever seen. I wanted to go into that stadium thinking, hey, we're going to come in here and we're going to win the World Series tonight. The World Series tonight. Yeah. That's what we're winning tonight, the World Series. Right. And we're going to and we're going to let you know we're going to come and win the World Series and we're going to take it. And we start I we get off the bus and Musgrove Musgrove's got his phone connected to it. I'm like, "Hey Joe, throw it on. It's time." <laughs> he turns it on and we start 
blasting California. it. California. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it is. And everyone's screaming like, yeah, we're going to show California at a party tonight after we win the World Series. They're, everyone's going nuts. MLB has their cameras following us into the into the stadium because um, it's the World Series right. Game 7, everything on the line, and we're blasting California love as loud as we can, full blast. AJ told me he knew we were going to win that moment the when, same he was sitting in he was sitting in his office in the in the in the clubhouse and we walk in the door just blast blaring obnoxious music it he's was. like i know you guys are gonna win then well there you go two important pieces of the astros first world series rg and i can also report to everyone after listening to the podcast that bregman uh, says he is dating someone right now or at least he was when they recorded it during spring training. So are you Ryan Seacrest here? <laughs> yeah, like, I can, I'm, I'm Ryan Seacrest, man. <laughs> but you gotta love that. I mean, you gotta love Alex Bregman. I mean, I, the one thing when you listen to it, I think when you watch Bregman, you get this impression of him as he's kind of a bro. And there was a little bit of that I saw in some of the YouTube videos. And there's a little bit the, the cockiness and stuff like that. But you also listen to this podcast and you you know, he, he does have this huge heart and there's kind of a dichotomy with him when you, when you watch Bregman, sometimes it's your, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, sometimes you're like, Oh, he's, you got to love him. And then sometimes you're like, yeah, if I was on another team, I'd be making fun of this guy. Yeah. That, that's part of it too. Oh, well, that's what a lot of the great ones do. I mean, you have to be confident in your abilities, right? Uh, but you know, you also, you know, you're not somebody that's also so alienated. You're like a Barry Bonds that you just turn yourself off from, right? You're, other than your own fan base and even some of your own fan base it turns off so i mean yeah opposing players of course too so uh you know bregman has that likability the fans really like him too he's really warm like you said he does a lot out in the community so fans kind of gravitate to him but he does have that cockiness on the field and he says i'm the best come on take me on and and we all like that that's why we you, you and i we grew up you know Loving watching like Muhammad Ali and stuff, right? You know, because I'm the greatest, and you know, and, uh, but he was also, you know, very, very much a, you know, a social justice warrior too, and out doing that stuff. But I mean, he was, uh, you know, some people didn't like Muhammad Ali. Yeah, he had his moments and you know, his big heart though too with Ali, and and you see that with Bregman, and and I think what we'll see as his career moves forward in Houston is you'll see the maturity happen even more. So I think you're going to see him get this is some guy this is a guy that always works to get better at whatever he's doing and you know i feel especially after listening to this conversation that he had with colin McHugh, the you know he's working to be become a better person so just uh, i just recommend that for everybody out there uh any any last words on the astros rg before we, we got to talk we've some big texans news right before we started recording right well yeah i mean also listen to our podcast too right so uh listen to all these podcasts right yeah well, of course yeah uh, I know people are listening to us so i assume they, they know the story but that andre howell uh story is that what happened right before we started talking he announced his retirement from the texans said in a statement that it had nothing to do with his health we know he's dealt with the cancer over the off season he was able to recover get back on the field uh getting interceptions again playing really well but, R.G., the Texans have lost three veterans now. Kareem Jackson, Ty Matthew, and now Andre Howell, who played safety for them last year. They've only added one, Tayshawn Gibson. It may need to be a priority to add one in the draft. A.J. Moore, I think it's A.J. Moore, is the only safety on the roster besides your two starters and Justin Reed and Tayshawn Gibson. So, you know, it's it's frustrating for the Texans, I'm sure, because – they would have liked to have known this earlier, 
but it's no, it's not anything I'm sure Dre Hal was doing to put them in, in this type of position. And let me just tell everybody out there, I was in the locker room for the last five years quite a bit. Dre Hal, one of the best guys. You will not meet many better guys than Dre Hal. Was always stand up if you went up to him. Hey, can I talk to you a little bit? And sometimes just, you know, just talking to him off the record with the mics away. He was great. Uh, so, uh, but the, the Texans, it, it's, it's, it's a concern now. Cause I mean, you, you didn't think going into the draft, oh, maybe, maybe we need to draft a safety. Cause you thought you got three good safeties with Dre Hal and Gibson and, and Justin Reed. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, wishing him the best, like you said, uh, yeah, you hate to lose like Andre Hall and have him go into retirement, but all the best to him. And yeah, I think to your point, I think what the Texans are going to be doing, we know in the draft, they're going to be looking for an offensive tackle, offensive lineman. They're going to be looking for help in the secondary. Those are priorities. And so, yes, they are going to be looking for safeties. Never have too many safeties and quarterbacks and defensive linemen and offensive linemen in this league. Duke Johnson from the Cleveland Browns. Once out, the Texans are interested in him. I believe if they can make this deal. Well, they lost Alfred Blue. They, they lost. Yeah, to... I got, I'm going to get to Alfred Blue oh, in okay. a second, but that would be an upgrade over Alfred Blue for sure. Yeah, Alfred Blue to the Jags. Well, let's do it now. We let's we we need to have a little O bit for Alfred Blue as a Texan. Another great guy. I mean, I I, I would go up and just say hello to Alfred Blue because he was he was such a nice guy. LSU kid, uh, Louisiana. Uh, it's hard to find bad people out of Louisiana. They're usually pretty, pretty fun, pretty cool people. And Blue, I mean, I know the Texans fans want to kill him, but if you're going to do it, if you're going to kill Alfred Blue, kill the Texans. Don't kill Alfred Blue. Great guy. Um, go after the Texans for, for keeping him around as long as they did because RG, I mean, Alfred Blue, he was just a guy and everybody was wondering, like, when, when are we going to upgrade from this guy? Uh, that's just it. I mean, he was a guy that was, you know, kind of the filler back, the guy that, you know, I mean, two yards in a cloud of dust, right? So I think that's why Texans fans were a little bit, it was like, can't you go out and just draft somebody in the third round, you know, every year? Instead, it's always out. Well, they drafted Blue. a guy, Deontay Foreman, and unfortunately, he, yeah, he, he I got know. hurt. Yeah, from Texas, of, of course. Um, but get, but have th- how about having three guys that you're willing to play on the roster, which they didn't even have three guys they were willing to play. It was it was like, well, if Lamar Miller is hurt, we got Alfred Blue, and we got we got nobody else. We're not we're not even going to put anybody on the roster. Where this is where I think like a Duke Johnson, this gives you three options. If you go out and trade for Duke Johnson, it's probably going to cost you a fifth or sixth round pick. But Duke Johnson, four point three yards per carry. Alfred Blue, three point six yards per carry. Duke Johnson's a better uh, pass blocker than. Uh, that's the other problem is Alfred Blue wasn't that good of a pass blocker. I mean, he was okay out of the backfield if you threw it to him, but. He wasn't a guy that I would consider with great hands or anything like that. So th- that's a position where the Texans need to upgrade. They got to upgrade. And I'm almost glad that Blue signed with the Jacks because it forces them to upgrade instead of just like, well, we've always got Alfred Blue back here. He's, you know, back in the shed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. And if they can pull off that trade and get Duke Johnson and, you know, they, uh, the, the draft is coming up here. It's going to be very interesting. The Texans do have those extra picks and stuff. So they. Now, I was hoping w- what they would do with this draft is the first. They got three picks in the first two rounds. You know, I've said it before, but I'll repeat it if anybody hasn't heard me say it. I would love for them to draft not one, but two corners. Because Jonathan Joseph and the, and the just just the guys that they picked up in the offseason, that's all they are, isn't going to do it. If J. Joe gets hurt, I mean, they, they literally have nothing. If J. Joe all of a sudden lost another step in the offseason, it's a disaster. So I, want, I wanted them to get two cornerbacks in those first two rounds. They've got to get an offensive tackle. 
And that sets me to my next thing. Well, you also were talking about a safety. Yeah. Now you want a safety, which you, you could get that safety in the third round because you're only asking, you, you're just wanting a backup well, You want to get the, the best players available. Yeah. So you, you, you don't want to be stuck with uh, having to get somebody. And that's where the Texans are. They're stuck having to get a tackle. They're stuck having to get a cornerback. Really, I think they need two cornerbacks. And now they're really stuck having to get a, a safety. I mean, all of a sudden, you're like, now there are guys out there for them to sign. I mean, we could go we could go on the Wayback Machine because Glover Quinn hasn't been signed. And uh, Eddie Pleasant hasn't been signed. And Corey Moore hasn't been signed. So they could go on the Wayback Machine because those guys are all... Still free agents. Those are guys that you pick up in the season if you like have an absolute need for a roster spot, and you know that's. But no, I mean they're going to be looking in the draft, and then after the draft they'll evaluate who's out there. And there's still guys that you can pick up that might be even a better option than those guys. And Glover Quinn's numbers weren't they weren't horrific last year, and you know I, I liked Glover Quinn for a long long time, and well, what really, he was doing up in Detroit. Yeah, he really played well up there for for a while after he left the Texans. Yeah, but if you if you look around, yeah, there there are definitely options that the Texans have at safety. I was looking at twenty uh, seven year old safety Trey Boston, a free agent, put up really solid numbers. I mean that I, looking at his uh, Pro Football Focus numbers, really solid. I, I don't know why he's still sitting out there, but that's somebody that you can pick up. You know, kind of that. I guess I don't know if you call it journeyman safety, but for whatever reason. Those guys, you know, they become like the Evan Gaddises that can't find jobs in the offseason. So it's it's really weird where the NFL has gone. Like the high-end safeties, we saw them go really quickly. I don't know what Kareem Jackson exactly was and why Denver was so in a rush to throw a bunch of money at him because I still – I would have liked to have Kareem Jackson back, but I was just kind of surprised at the amount of like $23 million basically guaranteed for Kareem Jackson. I was just like, what? But – um, yeah, Trey Boston, that, that's an option for them. And I always look at the Texans and go, they, they just kind of make me scratch my head to the point where, you know, I've got welts in my head because you look at the Matt Khalil signing. We, we talked about it. I was like, eh, when I, until, I, until we heard this past week what he was making, I was like, eh, I wasn't that angry with Matt Khalil. It's just, you know, it's a guy you can bring into camp and, you know, you pay him, I thought, maybe a million or $2 million and you can cut him and whatever. But no. He got $2.2 million signing bonus, a $2.2 million signing bonus. This is a guy that basically hadn't been on the field two of the three last three years. He hasn't been really that good when he has been on the field. And then he could make up to $7 million this year, year RG, if he stays on the field. I guess if he stays on the roster, I don't think the $7 million is like, hey, if you make a Pro Bowl, we'll give you $7 million. No, I think it's just him like suiting up for the Texans every week. He gets $7 million, which I just... They make some odd moves. I, I don't. Rick Smith's gone, but his legacy lives lives on. I guess. <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, I, I, you know, I still, I think it's more kind of an upside signing uh, and staying on the field. That, but health is important. I mean, we saw the offensive line had injuries last year, and and yeah, I, I think that they're doing, they're going to draft some offensive line, and we know that. So just be able to have like, hopefully, healthy offensive linemen. You know, have that depth, have that, uh, you know, and, and then draft somebody in the first or second round, hopefully, who can be your starting left tackle for the next, you know, 10 years and have these other guys on the line that you can kind of interchange and improve upon. This is what's interesting to me, though. You talk about the tackle situation. If Matt Khalil is on the team, 
and he's making whatever $7 million this year. I mean, you're basically, I think they want Matt Khalil out there. And I think they signed Chantrell Henderson because they want him out there. And Julian Davenport is a cheap option and he's still around. They're going to draft a tackle. The teams typically don't carry four tackles. Now, maybe one of these guys can play another position. I don't think Davenport can play any other position. Chantrell Henderson's been a tackle. Matt Khalil's always been a tackle. Uh, So it, it would be odd for me odd for me to think that they would go into the season because they're paying Matt Cleal and Chantrell Henderson. Like, Hey, it's just not, we're bringing this guy into camp. They're paying those guys. Like we expect them to be on the roster. I, I, I just, that's well, where again, I'm until we see what happens in the draft, maybe they draft a guy, a guy who can play both guard and tackle, but I mean, they're going to draft. Well, I know they like their versatility, and... like the versatility, <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, I mean, we'll kind of cross that, bridge when we come to it because we still don't know so many questions with the nfl until the draft happens until you see who the texans have drafted and kind of like how that slots in to the upcoming season and potentially what remaining free agents might be out there after the draft you know the the roster is still in flux it's still in motion that's all i got for this one any any last words anything else uh you, you've been in houston for a couple of weeks uh seeing the seeing the old uh, haunts uh, how's it been? You got a chance to go out to sports well, miss, bars and miss, watch the Cougars? Miss the old haunt like of Minute Maid Park. Haven't been out there yet, but yeah. There was yeah, you got to get out to baseball. the juice box. Yeah, juice box, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we'll talk to you guys again really soon. Like I said, uh, should be having Chandler Rome on tomorrow's show, so uh, keep an eye out for that one. We'll talk to you again later. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hey there, listener. Are you a fan of Houston Cougar Athletics? Well, Sam and I have got the perfect podcast for you. It's the Scott and Holman Podcast. Yeah, we're talking all things Houston Cougars, in-season, off-season, recruiting, on-field results. If it's Houston Cougars, we're talking about it. So search Scott and Holman Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.